You're listening to the Monumental Me Mindshare Podcast. We're collecting stories and having conversations with real people who inspire us to thrive in life. Thinkers and doers and people like you. This is Liana Slater of Monumental Me. Today we're speaking with Samantha Harris, a four-time Emmy Award nominee. You might know her from her many years as host of Dancing with the Stars and from Entertainment Tonight, and she's now a host of a new television show, but she's also a health coach and an author. I reached out to Samantha after hearing her keynote talk at a recent conference. She spoke eloquently about her battle with cancer after a shocking diagnosis at the age of 40 and how she channeled that into health and happiness. And she now lives and shares the principles of positive psychology. And I love her approach to well-being and how she offers up concrete ways to take on what she calls being your healthiest healthy. This is such a special episode. Thank you for listening. Samantha, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so fantastic. Excellent. So Samantha, I heard you speak as the keynote speaker at the Impact Nation conference just last month, and you were speaking to the healthcare industry, to healthcare workers and stakeholders, and I really loved your energy and your focus on positivity when it comes to well-being. I was also a speaker. I work in executive education, and I focus on well-being, but you really captured my attention. During this time of such great uncertainty and change, you have dealt with a major life disruption, which I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us about. And I just want to bring your story to our listeners to talk about you know, what you're doing today and, and how you got here. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Well, there's so much I love sharing with people about how they can elevate their wellness and take control of their health in ways they may not realize they should or even could. And I know most people know me from my TV hosting days on Dancing with the Stars and Entertainment Tonight and all of the other shows like that. But what really rocked my world in uh, a very shocking way was a breast cancer diagnosis at age 40. I didn't see it coming. I was the quote unquote, healthy, fit one among my friends and family. I ate the boneless, skinless chicken breast and the egg white omelets and the cheeseless pizzas and copious amounts of any candy that I could that said it was fat free, thinking I was doing the right things to better my own health. And here I sat with this cancer diagnosis. My husband and I have two daughters who were just three and six at the time, and my world was shattered. And as a journalist, I started to do a lot of research because I didn't understand, Liana, why one in eight women are diagnosed with invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. And I am a national ambassador for Susan G. Komen now and have been since my diagnosis. And I've learned so much. But the most shocking thing that I learned, despite the statistic that one in eight women will get breast cancer, is that only five to 10% are actually genetic of those cancers. And so if we look at that and we think, okay, so all of these women are being diagnosed, only five to 10% are genetic. Sure, we could say maybe another 5% and I'm just making up numbers because I'm not a, a medical scientist, but but you know, maybe another 5% are just those, oh my gosh, fluke, crazy, who knows why they got it. But that still leaves a good 85% of us wondering, maybe 90% of us even, wondering, well, why? 
And I searched for those answers high and low, spoke to every expert I can, read everything that I possibly could. And I determined it truly is what we put in, on, and around our body that affects our overall well-being from the types of foods we're eating, how we're eating, what products we're putting in our makeup bag, on our hair, the cleaning supplies we're using in our home. But even beyond those things that are tangible, what are our relationships like? Are they bringing toxicity and stress into our lives? Because when we have those high circulating levels of chronic stress, that cortisol that's coursing through our veins is very detrimental to our well-being, leads to inflammation. And inflammation we now know is a, a precursor, an underlying factor for so many diseases, not just cancer, but type 2 diabetes, heart disease, neurodegenerative disorders. And so I began to make changes and I became a certified health coach. I had mm -hmm. been a certified trainer for many years and I, the trajectory of my whole career was changed by this crazy, shocking cancer diagnosis. Wow. So, so many things in there. First of all, you just relayed that this is relevant to everybody, not just breast cancer victims or people who are trying to avoid a, a breast cancer diagnosis for men as well, for people who just want to stay healthy and be healthy. Right. That's why I think you're so relatable. Yes. 100%. And the, and the other thing is we oftentimes believe, thankfully very wrongly, but we are raised in a culture that says, well, things just happen to us. These things happen to us all the time because we have diabetes in our family. We're destined to get it too. Um, my grandfather you know, had, uh, okay, well, I'm going to get it too. But really how we live our life, it's the study of epigenetics is very much in, in its infancy, but it's a fascinating area of science that studies how our habits and our lifestyle choices, and I'm going to emphasize the word choices, affect our well-being and our health outcomes. Not to say that there's not going to be something along the way that might get us, even if we were, quote unquote, the most perfect following the line, towing the line type of person with our wellness. And each person's wellness journey is also different because what works well for me might not work beautifully as healthfully for someone else, whether it's from the choices I'm making to the pattern of my workouts to the types of food I'm eating for my own unique biology. And so that's also areas that I've delved into. My book, which is called Your Healthiest Healthy that you shared in the opening, is, you know, I was so honored that it debuted on Amazon as a bestseller. But what I care about is the information that's in it that I help people to understand because there was no one-stop shopping actionable plan that was out there that told me, okay, here's what's happening. Here's how you can take control. And here are some alternatives to look for and giving suggestions. to so how can I weed out the, look, I sat in a makeup chair for decades being shellacked with chemical bombs of gosh knows what. And now I just, right before our call, I was getting ready for a TV shoot. And thankfully I've been able to change not just what I use personally, but what I have my whole lucky enough for occasionally when I get to get a glam team in my home to get me glammed up, what they use for me, whether I'm on set or getting ready for an event. And so the fact that I've been able to rejigger exactly what's in my own makeup bag yeah. 
I love that you're pointing out that people have choices. And I think that's such an important part of this. I mean, obviously there's some things we can't control, but you really highlight this. You can control certain aspects of your life. It doesn't mean you're never going to get a diagnosis or nothing bad is going to happen to you. But I love that. It sounds to me like you've come out of your cancer diagnosis stronger than before. And that that's inspiring. Um, let's talk about, well, you talked about your book. You make these choices for healthy living accessible to people. And you have speaking engagements, you're a certified health coach, I noticed that you you run retreats. So tell us a little bit more about all of these elements that you're putting yourself out there doing. First of all, thanks for giving me a platform to share with others because what I love, and I'm very active on my Instagram, I'm at Samantha Harris TV, like television, Samantha Harris TV and Facebook with sharing different tips and tricks and ways for people to be able to just in small manageable steps, elevate their wellness to become their healthiest healthy possible. And so, you know, I love being able to, whether I'm replying to comments on my Instagram or direct messages, because I really do, at least at this point, I still can manage getting back to every single person who reaches out to me with a health related question. I'm, I look, I am not a doctor. I am not a psychiatrist. Mm. I am not a nutritionist, but I am a certified health coach. And so what I am is more of a guide. I like to help people sift through the really complicated myriad of information out there that is oftentimes conflicting. And so we get to a point where we think, oh gosh, I don't even know how to do any of this. What's the right thing? What do I do now? Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that has been helpful. So your healthiest healthy as a book has now spawned into, as you mentioned, your healthiest healthy wellness retreats. So I take a group to Utah every year. We actually just recently released the dates at the end of October, 2023, where I'll be taking the next group to Utah. I have a Santa Monica, California, two day only. And they're all right now, they're all women's only retreats, Mm -hmm. Um, but a two day Santa Monica, California, beachside workouts with me, coaching sessions with me. Really, I'm even doing clean shopping. So there's, I take the group to, um, a, a goop store, which is the Gwyneth Paltrow store that has, you know, all really great, cool, clean things from gadgets to products. And then also to a clean toxin-free store that has, sells a ton of different makeup and skincare brands to just sort of help you weed through and understand, okay, what am I reading on the label? How do I read it? What am I looking out for? Because it's dizzying. So I love that on the retreats, I can take people by the hand, but then also your healthiest, healthy community is something for those who either can't travel, don't want to travel or come to the retreats, but want something all year round. Because what I offer is a subscription-based membership community of like-minded people who are trying to do everything they can to make their own wellness and that of their families better. And so with that, I Look, I love live television. So I basically translate it to my wellness community every week. I lead a live workout because I've been a certified trainer for many years. I lead a live coaching session where people can throw their questions my way in real time and get answers uh, or watch on the recording 24 seven when it's convenient for them. And then I also bring in these incredible world renowned guest medical experts who have written from seven time New York Times bestselling authors and medical researchers and dietitians and meditation experts and really the gamut to make sure everybody's getting the support and the information they need. I love that you have the premium elements and then you really do make it so accessible. So if somebody can't come to a retreat or isn't a subscriber, even you are sharing so much on social media. So that's really great. And we do hear of other celebrities who 
our cancer survivors. We've got Robin Roberts, Clea Scherer is in the spotlight right now, the home edit, just finished treatment. But you are taking this. You're really, you're really running with this. What inspired you to do that? I mean, you have a platform. You have an audience, you are known, but what kind of clicked in you to take that out to the world? The the fact that I struggled when I was diagnosed and I had such a challenge trying to figure out what was clean, what was not, what was the right way to eat, what was not, how, mm. how do I, all of these different bits of information from different experts who get up on their soapbox and say, this is the one way to eat. This is the one way to work out. This is the one way to, and then, but then they would be sometimes diametrically opposed to, you know, it's like when it comes to food, right? The people who stand there and say, well, it's about being paleo or keto. And then the others who are saying, no, be vegan or macrobiotic and and what's right. And what's right for one person isn't always right. What's right for you. The one thing that all of them agree on in that particular point is a plant-based whole foods foundation. And so then I help people sort of muddle through the dizzying confusion to figure out what's right for them. And also, I think another thing that has been proven to prevent cancer is managing your stress, as you mentioned, cortisone levels and such. How do you manage stress with everything that you do? And how do you help other people manage stress? Well, and that is one of the biggest biggest things we need to, as a society, get hold of, because our stress is oftentimes the undoing of us. And look, you're talking to someone who (laughs) took on every, I said yes to everything. I, especially when my career started to finally gain some momentum and eventually take off, I never wanted to turn down one job opportunity, one TV appearance, one anything. And I was at the same time trying to create a family with my husband and have our first kid and then our second and develop a relationship with my family and trying to run the household and be mom and be TV person and all of this. And so what I found was I wasn't stopping to breathe. I was I have a lot of natural energy, a lot of it, and I tend to go, 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 go until I either hit that wall and crash because I'm so tired or I would get maybe get sick because it was like I needed a high fever flu or a stomach bug that would finally shut me down. And that wasn't the way to live either. And so what I learned post-cancer was one of the, the best gifts was understanding the importance of mitigating stress learning different techniques. And I have my proven your healthiest, healthy stress busting tools that are in my arsenal that I'll happy to be happy to share with your listeners, because I think it's so important because we have to find ways that work for us. So for me, 100% exercise every day for many more reasons than just stress management, but it is definitely a big player in that. We know that physical exercise lifts our mood. It boosts the endorphins, the happiness hormones. It helps to mitigate depression, anxiety, and stress. So my religion was sort of my gym, right? That was where I would go to completely connect with, to disconnect with everything else and to completely connect with my own being. And whether that was doing a cardio kickboxing class or a yoga class, but understanding that I could move my body and be able to 
completely separate from whatever else was happening. Can I always turn my mind off in the midst of a workout? Not necessarily. I do find out the more, find that the more complicated, maybe the, the choreography is, or the, you know, the route, whatever we're doing, then I get a little bit more focused on that. So I think that's actually quite helpful in that respect, you know, mm-hmm. but what I also have found is that meditation, breath work. I now also have an infrared sauna, which thankfully they're making more and more affordable on the market today. And the one I have, which is my favorite, and I have a, a link to it on my Instagram, but it's, it's one that's portable and, you know, not a crazy, crazy investment, which I appreciate because it needs to be accessible to people. So I t- tend to meditate in my infrared sauna and kind of get a double bang for my buck there with my stress management. So but finding those techniques, but happy to share, as I said, a couple of my go-to tools, if you'd like. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. So first it is control what you can control. And what I mean by that is you can work on the grand scale to the small momentary task in your day. But when we're feeling that stress, what can we control? Well, first of all, we can control our actions, our attitudes, and also our reaction to things. <laughs> there's a story I love where, as an example, there's a vase, very fragile vase, and it's at the edge of a countertop. And there are two moms in the room, and one of the little kids runs by, accidentally knocks the vase over, shatters all over the ground. And one mother goes, what are you doing? I told you not to run on this. I can't believe this mess you made. I got one. Now I got to clean it up and watch your feet. You're going to get you know, glass in your feet. And you're gonna, we're going to have to go to the hospital. And she's freaking out. And the other mom takes a moment. She takes a breath. <laughs> this is always the mom I want to be. I'm not saying that I am always mom number two. I'm quite often probably num- mom number one. But number two, mom number two says, oh, hey, careful. Why don't you step back? We got this. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. It was an accident. Let's grab a let's grab a broom and a dustpan. Let's clean this up. Accidents happen. It's okay. And again, it's how do we react to certain situations? So we can't control everybody. Well, we actually can't control anybody. We can control ourselves and how we're reacting. So what you can control also does apply to situations of a job loss, a breakup, a diagnosis. Here, when it came to cancer, I couldn't control anymore that I had cancer. That was a fact. What mm-hmm. could I control? Well, I could control how I was choosing to lead my life post-cancer. I could clean up my diet. I could start to figure out stress management techniques. I could reach out to breast cancer survivors to find out what worked well for them post-cancer, right? What could I control in the situation? And then Another part of it is worry when you have to worry. So once you have cancer, anything that perks up on your body or pops up or what, you're like, it's cancer. And so your brain goes right there. So in any sort of situation, instead of immediately worrying about all of the what ifs and going down that rabbit hole, take a step back, take the breath. I am a huge proponent of breath work, even if it's a micro breath. Mm Take that breath and say, okay, I don't know what it is, this bump I just found on my head. Is it cancer? Is it, is it skin cancer from all the you know, years in the sun on my hikes without a hat? Is it okay? I don't know, but I'm not going to all of a sudden say it's cancer. Now I have brain cancer and now I'm going to die because I have brain cancer. I, 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 that is where my brain wants to go. 
But I take that moment to say, all right, what can I control? I can control now that I can pick up the phone. I can call my dermatologist and set an appointment to go take a look at that. Because when we worry, when we have to worry, if God, you know, God forbid that that happens, that diagnosis, that terrible news, that job loss, whatever it is, believe me, there'll be plenty of time to worry <laughs> when, when you have to. So control what you can control, worry when you have to worry. And the other third really big element outside of breath work is positive self-talk. And yeah. what I mean by that is, right, we become our thoughts. So whether we're thinking them or saying them out loud, the more we think it or say it, the more we believe it. So if I say, ah, oh, God, look at that. Ugh, that hair is gray and I'm getting old. And well, now I'm like, yay, I'm getting old. I'm that many years past cancer. But yeah. you know, we, we sit there, the self-defeating, I'm nothing, I'm, I'm worthless. Ugh, I, I can never do that. Look at that woman. She does that. I look at her Instagram all the time and she's just living life and amazing. I can never live that life. I could never have that. We hear that on a cellular level. So instead, when we come from a place of positivity and positive affirmations are great for this, right? The I am or I will positive statement, whether you believe it or not. I used to say to myself, my mantra after cancer was, I'm happy, I'm fit, and I'm cancer-free. And I didn't believe mm. I was quite cancer-free, but I kept saying it and saying it and saying it until finally, a couple, maybe two years later, I said, why do I keep saying I'm cancer-free? I feel like I'm cancer-free. I know I'm cancer-free. So now it's just reminding me that I had cancer. And so it changed. And I changed my mm -hmm. mantra to, I am happy. I am healthy. I am fit. I am strong. And there are days where I don't necessarily feel the happiest, but I say I'm happy. I don't feel, you know, maybe I had a really bad night of sleep and my workout felt terrible and I didn't feel strong, but I say I'm strong because the more mm -hmm. we say it, we believe it and it mm -hmm. becomes a reality. But the other thing about positive self-talk is in a situation like cancer for me, okay, I have cancer. Well, what's good in that? How am I supposed to be positive? Well, Samantha, you're in otherwise great shape. It's going to make for fewer complications in surgery and a, you'll bounce back faster. Okay. That's good. That's positive. What else is positive? Cause I have cancer still. Well, what else is positive? What else is good? Samantha, you've got great health insurance. You've got a great family support network are going to be there every step of the way. So the more you talk to yourself and you remind yourself of the good you have going and the positive in your life and that positive self-talk, it lifts you up. It helps and it gets you through the stress and anxiety in a way that allows you to deal with it and lessen it. This is great. And I love that this comes from, from you and your energy, but also your place of experience, because I can just imagine many people, they don't want to hear advice from a friend or who maybe hasn't been through this, or they don't want to hear, just think positively. But your advice goes so much deeper than that. And so it, again, like, I just think this is so helpful for people. And this isn't a coincidence, because when you spoke at the conference that I heard you speak at, you talked about positivity and, and the whole basis of kind of what the work that I do with mostly executives and some individuals and personal professional development is on this foundation of positive psychology. Did you ever study positive psychology? Does this just come natural to you? Like, I, yeah. You know, I, I did not. And it is something that I just, I needed in the depths of my diagnosis and feeling so riddled with anxiety, which I had never felt before. I didn't know how much longer this cancer journey was going to go. And because I didn't know where that road would end, hopefully with a positive outcome, I knew that I couldn't feel that way. I just couldn't feel that burden and heaviness and sadness and being scared and feeling literally the, the electric 
energy of negativity coursing through my body. I, I could feel it. And like a, a actual physical feeling, not just an, you know, this sort of intangible. And I don't know what it was within me, but I listened to my inner voice and just said, you can't feel this way. So you need to turn it around and flip your perspective and take everything that comes next in this cancer journey with a positive spin. And you need to figure that out and how to do that. And so I did. I, I just, it was, I don't know if it was overnight or with, took me a few days. All I remember, it felt quick. It yeah. felt, you know, and that's where the power of our perspective is so important and that we have the ability. I mean, our brains are just, you know, as we know, we've tapped into just such a small portion of them and they are just miraculous and how we can retrain our brain to think a different way is, is amazing, an amazing power that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. And that takes work, but it can be done. It, that self-talk, as you just said, checking in, adjusting your mindset, all of that, I think, yeah, yes. it's so important for people. And I'm glad people. you, I'm glad you bring up that it takes work. It does. It takes the ability to, and I work with my, I have a small group of private clients that I work one-on-one with. And that's something that we've worked on quite often too, is it all sounds good, but how do we actually do it? And so it's starting to even just that self-awareness is step one, just whether it's with the, when we look at even just, let me break it down into an example of food. I, you know, we don't start on day one saying, okay, great. You need to make a 180 and change everything you're eating. First of all, that wouldn't be sustainable. You know, we say, okay, let's just become aware. What are you eating? Just jot it down journal. I don't, don't change. Don't, don't make a decision change based on the fact that you're working with me right now. I want to know exactly what you're doing. And I want you to become aware of how you're eating and why you're eating. What are those feelings around that food? Were you tired? Were you annoyed? Were you just bored? What, what, how did you feel after you ate that food and making that just a self-awareness. And so it goes with, so that then down the line, when you start to make the changes, you catch yourself. And the same thing with thoughts. When you look in that mirror, because you're walking by it and everybody turns to look, you always got to catch that glimpse of yourself. Is the first thought in your brain, ugh, mm-hmm. I'm so fat, I'm so ugly, I'm so this, whatever it is. Can you catch, don't even make the change, just catch yourself. That's step one. Just catch yourself. Oh, I'm doing it again. And then where do we go from there, right? And then that change slowly comes after that. Catch yeah. yourself. Now you caught yourself. Now let's change that into a positive. Even if you still think, ugh, I look ugly, find one thing that you like about yourself in the mirror right now. I really like the pink shirt I'm wearing. You know, my hair actually looks really good today. Whatever it is, right? Yeah, love it. One more thing I want to ask you about your your tools. I see this as a tool. You've mentioned relationships. Relationships as a tool for success and eliminating toxic relationships as a way to be healthy. So can you just t- touch on that and how you think about it? Yes, that? yes. That's a whole chapter. And I know. <laughs> wow, yeah. Because, but I, I do think we need to touch on here because- we have these relationships that are given to us, whether they're because of their family members or coworkers. We have the relationships that we seek out. Uh, we have, you know, these different people who come into our lives who sometimes, and they might be the most lovely, wonderful people in existence, but for whatever reason, they're toxic to you. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Now, maybe they are. Maybe they're a horrible, hateful person. Then definitely let's, let's kick them to the curb. But sometimes they're just people who don't realize that they are creating some sort of toxicity with you. 
and I even, I even take ownership of this myself. I, I, because I am so focused on knowing what is the healthier choice for, for life. <laughs> I have a hard time walking into my family's home and not, and not saying something about, you know, you're still using that big brand peanut butter with the hydrogenated oils and the, this and the sugar and blah, blah, blah. And, and so that could be toxic to them. Right. So the people who, but, but let's start on a macro scale. The toxic people are those ones who drag you down, who make you feel less than, who make you feel that you are the one putting in all the effort. And those are the people who you want to ideally eliminate from your life or at least reduce either, you know, whether it's a, it's a family member, it's a parent, it's a sibling, then it's boundaries. And we have to be able to put those boundaries up. And maybe that's interjecting when they go to nitpick about you. And it's, hey, you know, I love you. I just it isn't productive for our relationship when I hear you say those things. So I, I want to hang out, but if you're going to continue with that, I really can't, I can't hang out today, you know, whatever it is. And that's a hard conversation to have, especially with someone who means something to you. And then there are the people who, you know, it's the mom at school that at drop off every time you talk to her, you leave with your shoulders at your ears and you feel just yuck after just that feeling of wasted time and energy because this woman sucked the life out of you. Guess yeah. what? Next time she waves us to come over to say hi, you do the quick wave back from far away and go, Hey, I got to run. And you keep going because yeah. that's a person you want to just extricate right now. Yep. Important for some people to hear that. All right. I do want to ask this. I want to know if you have PTSD from your cancer diagnosis and the whole treatment. I, again, I feel like you've come out of this stronger than before, but do you ever feel like that PTSD? I do. I, there are those moments when, uh, I mean, first of all, it's always right at the surface, you know, someone else's diagnosed that you hear about and the emotion comes back. You go to a doctor's appointment and you just are holding your breath, waiting for that oncologist to say everything looks good. You find a lump somewhere that is, maybe it's a lymph node in your groin and it, it seems like it was bigger than it was yesterday. And you immediately go to, okay, now cancer is traveled. So there is that. And that's where having the tools that I've developed for myself and share with others have been, has been just really tremendously helpful in, in dealing with that. And, and also making sure that I have that strong support system. For me, that's truly my, my husband, my mom, and my sister. I feel very lucky to be very close, obviously, to my husband, but to, to, you know, to each of them. And, and for some, that's a good friend, a friend from childhood, a new friend, a coworker, someone who you feel who you can truly be yourself and honest with, and there's no judgments coming back at you. Yeah. And that, that's a key for satisfaction for everybody in life. It's just cultivate those few relationships that you, that you really, that gets you through everything. That's great to hear. All right. Well, thank you so much. You really, you know, I think you just are a wealth of knowledge. I'm going to put how to find you in the podcast notes, but it sounds like people should start at your Instagram account. You are very responsive, which is lovely. And we'll have details of your book. And I think you're on a new show. Is that right? What else? Yeah, I, I suppose <laughs> I could talk about that too. Yeah. The PR team would probably be very angry if I didn't. I have a new a new show. It's a game show. So if you like wordplay, wordle, crosswords, brain teasers, then this is the game for you. It's called Tug 
of words and it airs every weekday morning on game show and network fun i mean again it's like we hear too much horrible news out there so i, I much prefer to listen to a game show in the morning than, yeah, right, exactly. than that, that morning news all right thank you so much samantha and thank you for saying yes to this conversation it's, it's really been a pleasure oh my gosh well thank you i really do appreciate it as well and thank you for everybody who's been listening For more information or to join our community, visit our website at monumentalme.com or follow us on Instagram at monumentalme.we. And if you have any suggestions for interviews, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at monumentalme.com. Mm-hmm.